Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for January 16th, 2022 in year C, the second Sunday after the Epiphany. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. But everyone wants to know, Bruce, how are you? I'm okay. All right. There was no ice on the ground this morning. Mm -hmm. Got to just drive to the church. We are at the church. We're at the church. With all the precautions. Right. Um, so, yeah, not having to scrape ice this morning, that was a good thing. I not sure good, how it was going to turn out. A very good thing. Uh, still cold. Still very cold. Cheating. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, not ice producing, which is a big deal. Um, so, yeah, the second Sunday after Epif the Epiphany, this is, uh, what, the third Sunday in the new year already yeah i guess so which is uh which is which is great how's everybody doing on the writing 2022 instead of 2021 i'm actually doing very well i have yeah. to say but yeah you know i don't write checks anymore for the most part so it's no big deal if i have to hit backspace once to right because <laughs> think something you don't write checks anymore because things are free for you right is that, i was gonna that's... say i don't have any money <laughs> Easy to not write yeah, checks when you have no said money. I couldn't do it anymore. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Just joking. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, uh, but uh, so, so uh, we just finished the church service with uh, the Magi and uh, and uh, have uh, have epiphanyish. Right, right, and have degreened the church. In record uh, time, I think. Yeah. So uh, much thanks to uh, everybody who stayed around and and did that. Um, uh, a few, uh, one person at least made it to uh, another source of media. So that will that'll be fun to see. Uh, uh, the window, oh. the window to worship. Uh, if you haven't seen Don't, it, yeah. When or when when it comes out, uh, give that a look. Uh, uh, much thanks to uh, those who to, who helped clean. Um, mm -hmm. What do we have? Uh, going on, I know on the docket we have a, uh, a Bible discussion on which which Sunday is it? Is it's not this coming? It's not the sixteenth, but it's the twenty third, isn't it? With uh, about hidden figures, is that uh, is that correct? It's on a weekday. It's not on a Sunday. Oh, it's it's on a weekday. <coughs> oh, then I had it wrong. Okay. Yeah, I, it's the twenty sixth. The twenty sixth. Yeah, which I think is a Thursday. Okay. No, couldn't be a Thursday. No, that'd be a choir, Wednesday. So it's probably a Wednesday. That'd be a Wednesday. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, I gotta watch Hidden Figures. Oh darn! Uh, watch <laughs> an award-winning uh, 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 movie that's uh, well acted and well produced and well put together and very meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else do we have going on? What's what's on on, what's uh, on Sunday mornings at nine? We have full-scale, uh, full-on Christian formation for all ages. Mm -hmm. The adults are talking about compassion. And particularly how to be compassionate in such a stress-filled time as most of us are living through right now. Yeah. And the first one was today, and we really got into some interesting conversation, and we'll do the same a week from today. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what kind of stress you're talking about. I have – there's no stress <laughs> on <that. laughs> Uh, he says as his eye twitches. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, a fair, a fair amount of things going on. A few. Uh, just a few. Uh, uh, but we're back to we're back to our regular uh, uh, quote unquote regular programming for for church mm -hmm. services, uh, and in that we have the eight o'clock and ten o'clock uh, uh, um, and church services on Sunday in person, and the nine o'clock 
uh, formation hour um, uh, in between the 10 o'clock, of course, uh, as always, is uh, broadcast live if I'm doing my job right. Uh, and at 10 a.m. At 10 a.m., yep. And, uh, and uh, lots of things to see uh, and to prepare for as, uh, uh, as uh, we get into the rhythm here in the new year. Uh, you can see it on our website at holyfamilyfishers.org uh, for all the deets, as the kids say, and I don't. And they don't. <laughs> I'm still not sure the kids say that anymore. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, either way, I shouldn't. Um, so That's let's... the point, isn't it? <laughs> Let's move on to uh, this day in church history. Uh, and uh, this day in 648, uh, we see the death of Forsheim, uh, death or death in Forsheim, France of St. Fursy, who had founded monasteries in England and Gaul many years earlier. Fursy, while seriously ill, had fallen into a trance in which he saw visions of heaven and hell that he wrote down and recorded. These will pr probably be among the sources from which Dante draws inspiration oh. for the descriptions of heaven and hell in his writings Inferno and Paradiso, uh, which I found interesting. So, uh, a fever dream. <laughs> a, liter a literal fever dream was probably a, among the sources, at least, of, uh, of inspiration for, for uh, Dante's Inferno, um, which uh, I think we've talked about on the podcast a couple of times over the years. Uh, is a very heaven influ heavy influence in to uh, modern day concepts of heaven and hell yeah. um, uh, that that we are fully immersed in and don't realize it right. is sourced from it's the, Dante. the dirty water in our goldfish bowl we're swimming in. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is t terribly unbiblical. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. pretty spiritually destructive the inferno but the the paradise poem is pretty beautiful and because it doesn't have anything to do with violence and punishment we never read it <laughs> yeah and yeah and, and paradiso is is not as informative on our modern uh, yeah. concepts yeah um but uh but yeah you're right uh um uh i i think it's fair to say to, to give dante credit uh, Inferno, very creative, uh, well, like yeah. wonderful, <laughs> wonderfully creative. Uh, uh, the so problem is Lord is, of the Rings, but I don't yeah, live yeah. my life. The by problem it. is, yeah, the problem is taking it to be uh, 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 conceptually accurate is yeah. it would be very incorrect. Uh, but and yet we do it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in and certainly there are lots of Christians who really do think it's accurate. Sadly, yeah, um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people don't realize though that yeah that's, that's their source <laughs> that, that's the source um so uh in 1543 we see the british parliament prohibiting the reading of the new testament in english by women but here here's the list i find it interesting that there's like a full list so uh british parliament prohibits the reading of the new testament in english uh, uh by women but also artif artificers press uh, pre pretenses Journeymen, serving men, serving men of the degree of yeomen, and under husbandmen and or laborers. So a lot of British words, but uh, it's interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting to me that it was like uh, it was like a laundry list of people who were like, no, you, you can't read you the new are not worthy. the New Testament in particular, yeah. which is 
uh, interesting. Uh, the, well, the line gets drawn there. And what what was the year? Fifteen forty three. Okay. The I ha I don't remember offhand with in that era, but in the prayer books that would follow soon after that, they did not have the Old Testament in them. Oh. Whereas the prayer books of that time had all of the lectionary selections within them. Mm -hmm. They were all from the epistles, book of Acts, and the gospels, and Revelation. Mm -hmm. And so if you said someone could not read from the New Testament, you were saying they couldn't read in church. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was it was all-encompassing at the time. Yeah. I, I think. Gotcha. it, Or maybe it would have been five years later. But gotcha. I, yeah. I don't think things switched that quickly away from the Old Testament. I gotcha. Uh, in 1604, uh, we see Puritan John Reynolds suggests to King James I that there might be a new translation of the Bible as consonant as can be to the original Hebrew and Greek. James will grant approval the next day. Seven years later, the authorized version, the King James Version, will be published. So uh, this day in church history sees the beginnings of the uh, the King James Version Bible. I'm trying to remember the name of a book. I read it probably about 15 years ago when it was new <clears throat> about the adventures of making that translation which was the first full translation into english mm. and it really is was a fascinating thing i won't take up too much time i will say while the puritans suggested it they lost out on almost every decision of translation huh. um, james appointed a commission to do it and the puritans were very frustrated that um their theology did not reflect mm. the translation very often. Gotcha. So while it was uh, while it was it, their idea to have it done, uh, they were then boxed out and yeah, and and, <laughs> and uh, left out saying, of the process. Hey, I'm giving you what you want. Right, right. It's as consonant as can yeah, be look, to the Greek and Hebrew. It's in the bookstores now. <laughs> right. Hey, wait. Where are you going to America? <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, uh, I suppose that uh, <laughs> that could have been a factor. Yeah. Um, in 1786, Virginia adopts a statute for establishing religious freedom, which was author authored by Thomas Jefferson. Mm -hmm. uh, and in 1999, United Methodists, I'll say this next word in quotes, disturb uh, many fellow Methodists oh. and other traditional Christians by... Uh, Blessing a lesbian couple before 1,500 people in Sacramento, California. The women, uh, interestingly, were lay leaders who had lived uh, together for 15 years. But it was the beginning of uh, the, the beginning of, of that among the Methodists. Yeah, we were already well down that road. Yeah, so yeah. I, I can remember reading about that and thinking, you know, God bless them in this journey they're essentially starting um, because – and sure enough, they have been in the midst of lots of conflict of mm -hmm. congregations leaving the denomination and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and one, but one of the interesting things about the Methodist tradition that most Americans don't realize: Americans are used to our our Christian denominations being essentially American denominations. Mm -hmm. And one of the things the Methodists very um, intentionally did was keep everyone in the fold mm 
And so the majority of Methodists in their convention in their, are African. Oh, okay. And so that has made the post-World War II era very tricky for them uh, as to how to govern themselves and ministry priorities and things like that. And uh, many of the Methodist congregations in Africa are, are very conservative compared to the U.S. Hmm. And so essentially now the Methodist church is in the process of seeing if they can gracefully split between liberal Methodists and conservative Methodists and, and have, I would say, I don't know if they are, two new denominations. Gotcha. Uh, but again, it will be on an international basis. Congregations hmm. can individually decide which one they're going to be in. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of of two minds of of uh, that process of of new denominations and church splitting, uh, because in, on on one hand, it's you you look at things and go, you know, come on, man, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, you, you know what what are what are these rifts that are you know the chasms that are mm-hmm. that are. Uh, um, Introversible uh, as a denomination, and then on the other hand, especially if it's done amicably, you know, acknowledging a, a difference in thought and and solidifying uh, what makes the most sense for you is also kind of like a oh yeah well you should be doing that yeah um, so it's kind of also like I I, I find myself depending on the day I find myself uh, 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 on either side of that fence of like oh good for you or oh you guys should grow up. And in terms of denominations, as as an Episcopalian, one of the interesting things to me is that there was a moment, (laughs) wasn't much more than a moment in history, where worldwide there were four types of Christian. Mm -hmm. There were Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Mm -hmm. Anglican, Church of England and and throughout the world, and Lutheran. Mm which was centered in um, Western Europe. And you know, like I say, it was a moment, because almost immediately people started splitting off from <clears throat> all except the Orthodox, and even the Orthodox a little bit. So it, it, we, have the, we as Episcopalians have been left so many times <laughs> by different groups. It's like, okay, there goes someone else. Right. Well, and and it's also interesting though to think of it more on a uh, on in a timeline. Like I I kind of equate a little bit of this uh, to the original formation of like I can kind of like imagine like this is a continuation of the the same base concept that brought us the modern day Bible. Like mm-hmm. yeah, we, as we've talked. It was kind of gathering together, like, what's your synagogue reading? What's your church reading? What what, yeah. what, are, what are the texts that you're you're reading? And we put it together and kind of created one one group thing. And the natural evolution of that is then maybe, you know, we see, sometimes we see it as a splintering, but it's not. It's really more just kind of a, you know, going back to that regional yeah. uh, uh, approach of like, that's great. We all, you know, we all love this. We, you know, thank you for this. Uh, that this this conglomerate uh, uh, uh you know text that we've now put together now we're 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 bringing it back home and back regional to uh this is how we feel about this and how we worship this and and as long as i think we keep our mindset open as to uh, anybody who doesn't agree with us should burn yeah. the stake then we might be fine <laughs> well 
I think for the first time on the podcast, I'm going to quote Ted Lasso. Okay, yeah, this and, would be a first. Um, it was the Christmas episode of this uh, concluded season, and Ted's trying to uh, get into the Christmas spirit with his soccer team and asks one of his African players, so what does Christmas mean to you? And the guy responds with, obviously, perfect comic timing, colonialism. <laughs> <laughs> And in many ways, the idea that any group of Christians could remain a singular group worldwide smacks of colonialism. Mm -hmm. Because uh, for the Anglicans, it was, yeah, we can all stay Anglicans as long as you do it like England. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and that worked for quite a while with um, the U.S. But eventually they said, okay, yeah, you guys really need to be your own national church. And we still are in communion with the Church of England. But over and over internationally, we didn't let, as Anglicans, as Episcopalians, we didn't let the indigenous spiritual expressions come to the, even the surface, let alone to the foreground. Mm. And so what do you know? We basically almost forced new denominations to be formed. Right. Yeah. There's very little room to, to not, to have not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's go back to that conglomerate uh, yeah. uh, group of texts uh, in our in our that we call the Bible that we call the Bible. Um, and our first uh, Bible reading uh, comes from the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter sixty-two, verse one through five. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Um, this is, uh, uh, again, we're, I think we're kind of continuing on in uh, um, with readings from the third Isaiah. Right. Um, so this is the period of time where... Uh, the, the Israelites are returning home mm -hmm. and or getting settled back in ish. Yes. Um, so, but this, this reading has a lot of capitalized words. So <laughs> if you, if you read through it, there's capitalized words that are normally not capitalized uh, beyond Lord and God and Zion. Uh, there's forsaken, there's desolate, there's my delight oh. is in her. There's married, um, uh, and I, I have a sneaking suspicion that I that I've asked this question before, but um, is there is there you know more information about why these are capitalized and their and their their meanings? Like, is the word that's in the actual translation? The the the, the uh, Hebrew word for desolate and the phrase "my delight is in her," or are there are they like names of people that mean this or or what? Both. Oh, okay. 
So yeah, you're right on that. Boy, that's significant. Um, and I'm just double checking <clears throat> on one of these. Yeah, desolate, for instance, is the actual word meaning desolate. Mm -hmm. But then the author here is using it as a proper noun. Right, right. So it's not, <laughs> pity the poor child who is named desolate. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's not like a name you'd name your kid. But is there, is there background information it, about these, like uh, when they were in captivity, were these terms that their captors used to re refer to them? Were they referred to as forsaken? Was their homeland referred to as, as uh, like, you know, oh, that you know, pile of trash. <laughs> like what's the, you know, it, I'm just curious if there's yeah. more historical context of like, Oh, remember when you were in captivity and your captors used to call you this name? As far as I know, no. Okay. Um, but you know, we might down the road find evidence that indeed that they were, um, derogatory terms used, mm -hmm. but instead I believe it me it's the, because this is poetry in Isaiah, okay, right. is, is Duke being the poet who is playing in a good way, being creative, I'll say instead of playing, being creative with the language and making these regular nouns into proper nouns. Mm. You have to remind myself that this is poetry. It's not yeah. like the New Testament where they're like letters written to people. Right. And, the, and, and the people who are reading this would be like, hey, wait. Who's calling me forsaken? Yeah. Who? Who? Who's saying that? Hey, Desolate, Isaiah. He's talking to you. Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah. I need a name. <laughs> what jerk's been calling me this? Because <laughs> they're not calling us to my face. I'm I need, not reading I, I any need, more of this thing. <laughs> I need to. Yeah. I'm putting this down. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then. Um, uh, so. And, and so their old name was Forsaken, and their new name is My Delight is in Her, right. which is an interesting, like, you know, uh, uh, the, a lot of times in you would imagine in poetry, like, the, the, the normal way poetry would maybe do this is like, you used to be called Forsaken, now you're called Welcomed. Or uh, your uh, land used to be called desolate. Now it's called, you know, lush and fruitful or something like that. The, the, the partnering here is forsaken is, was your old name. My delight is in her is your new name. Your old land was desolate and it's now married. Those two don't, it's not really that standard poetry of like flipping it to the reverse. So, so what's going on here? What well, are we? It. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> right. Um, it because the context here is often often the, the the positive one is telling us what the negative one is referring to. Okay. So my delight in her. Oh, what's the contrast with that desolate? That is a bride who has been left. Mm. by the groom okay um whereas now and it's this whole this whole passage this part of it has this imagery of a restored relationship mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it builds on the covenant 
symbolism that's found in multiple prophets and in, and also in Lamentations, where the people think God has abandoned them. In this right. case, the, the enslavement in Babylonia. But what's going to happen is the restoration of that covenant. Um, and the primary covenant that people experience in the day of Isaiah is a marriage covenant. Mm. Mm -hmm. So marriage... Uh, marriage imagery is often used, and and here's one of the good, one of the real noticeable places. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it it is interesting that there's a lot of the 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 the, the imagery is uh, uh, using a lot of female uh, um, uh, pronouns and concepts. So mm -hmm. so not only is the land. Uh, not not only are the people uh, given uh, the the bride role, yeah, but so does the land. It's also mm -hmm. it's also uh, um, um, given this imagery that it's 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 uh, the kind of tied to the to the bride as well, which is which is interesting because uh, um, I don't know about you, but in my relationship, the man doesn't do much. <laughs> <laughs> It's the well, it's okay. the it's the bride that, that that seems to do all the hard, all the uh, all the good hard work uh and uh um uh, I'm doing well if I just don't get in the way. So um what is it what is this uh, this 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 concept in the Old Testament you said is used is used a lot um is is it just because God is like traditional patriarchy concepts and and so the the god being in the more dominant role is is the bridegroom not that... so much that as israel don't think for a moment you have the high hand in this relationship mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if we if we put together all of the passages um in the hebrew scriptures about marriage god repeatedly favors a relationship of equality mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but just to make sure people don't go off track too quickly they are made to be the woman <laughs> which yeah some some men would be whoa wait a minute um so it's a little bit of a uh humbling for sure for the patriarchal people men mm -hmm. um where it's like no you're Sorry, you're not in charge. God is. Yeah, I'm also I'm also struck a little bit by the use of, uh, I maybe it isn't out of place, but it seems a little out of place just with all the imagery that goes along. In in verse five, uh, the word builder is used, uh, and and none of the imagery really. I mean, I know that we're the the overall concept we're talking about is is uh, kind of. Uh, uh, building back uh, the uh, the land and the nation, but you know there, there's there's a royalty imagery that's used in verse you know three that talks about crowns and the royal diadem. There's marriage concepts uh, that are that are used uh, throughout thereafter. Yeah. And and then there's just like this little throw in, you know, uh, for as young for as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. I'm like, oh, you mean like, like, 
I don't know. Or like it was like it, you know, so shall the bridegroom marry his bride. I mean, it literally is the it is like the next part of the sentence. It's just it it stands out to me a, l- a little bit that there's suddenly a, a a builder and a building concept thrown. It's it it's a mixed word. Okay. And the way the Jewish scriptures translated is sons. Oh, which which frankly I think makes more sense. That does make more sense. Um, but for whatever reason, I mean, and, but a choice is builder, and for whatever reason, the new um, Revised Standard Version translated it that way. Hmm. Interesting. See those 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 things kind of fascinate me. How we choose wording uh at at different points in time and i'm sure that there's tons of those that we kind of gloss over because the word choice that's made makes sense to us and Mm -hmm. you're like oh okay great uh and and uh i bet there's tons of those hidden uh um translation choices that you could delve into and be like also it could read this way and because obviously sons and builder yeah. In in modern English, uh, not related, <laughs> like not really, not there's not really a tether in our language that you know makes those anywhere similar. So, uh, the the meaning of the verse, um, the language of it uh, as it changes, uh, changes can change pretty drastically. Yeah, I'm reading I'm I'm reading about that Hebrew word, um, and I gotta admit, with the with the limited linguistic tools i have in front of me i'm not sure how they got builder out of it 15 seconds of research didn't right. uh, didn't net you anything <laughs> positive uh to say about no, very, no clarification <laughs> okay all right well thanks a lot internet but in in uh defense of the new revised standard version it does say in a footnote or your sons huh huh so you don't get that just from the lectionary right. webpage necessarily. Right, right. Very interesting. Uh, what else about the uh, this this poem from Isaiah? Gosh. Um, oh, part of it is that it. Let's see, I'm trying to see which verse it is. Um, Okay, I'm not finding exact. I'll just say it. This chapter talks about very, very subtly, so much so that right now I'm not finding it, the reconciliation between all the people now living in Jerusalem. Mm. So that is people who had lived there and were hauled off by the Babylonians, Mm -hmm. people who had lived there and were not hauled off and stayed, Mm -hmm. and people who were born in Babylon and never been to Jerusalem before. Mm. So those are three distinct populations that almost immediately got into conflicts about how Jerusalem should be rebuilt. Oh, yeah. you can. I would imagine that there would be... What should their civil laws be Mm -hmm. and religious practices... So part of what chapter 62 is about is, remember, you're all my beloved, mm-hmm. but you're all equal. No one gets to say, because we did, because we suffered this, we get to right. have the loudest Our voice. suffering is greater. Yeah. Uh, and, and 
or, 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 you know, while you were gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is what has happened. It, it also, uh, as I asked if you had anything more, I'm also, uh, last thing, lastly struck by, um, the, it's interesting that there's the, the relationship is totally different between a couple of different verses before we get to the, uh, the marriage language, uh, Zion, Israel, uh, Jerusalem is instead a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord or, and a Royal diadem in the hand of your God, which is a very different relationship than, <laughs> than, yeah. than the bride. Um, uh, um, that makes it sound them sound more like a, a, a useful tool or, or, uh, yeah. just, just a symbol of power. Um, and not really significant beyond, beyond that. So it's kind of interesting that, that that was first. And then the relation, the, the very close relationship, uh, language is, is comes after that. Yeah. Again, it's, it's putting in order how humans should see themselves. Mm. It's a mm -hmm. humility thing of, yeah, you're chiefly, you're symbolic to other people, hmm. but you're still beloved. Right. And often anyone who anyone who sees themselves as special will put that first and only secondarily put in what their role with the rest of the world is. That, you know, what I'm a Christian, therefore I'm going to heaven rather than saying I'm a Christian. Therefore, I need to serve all who are downtrodden. Mm hmm. And arguably, Jesus was much more concerned with that second one. Right. Yeah. Well, let's move on uh, to Psalm 36, verse 5 through 10, um, our psalm for the day. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. Your, how precious is your steadfast love, O God! All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, in your light we may see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your salvation to the upright of heart. Um, the... The imagery here uh, uh, is God loving everything, all all God's creation. Uh, it is interesting that the author takes the moment to be like uh, um, that you save humans and animals alike that that were that that were equal there. And any indication why the the is it just going back to like that concept of all all God's creation is is important to him, not just yeah. humankind above all. Yeah, and it's part of the um, developing theology of there being the one true God. So it it helps push back against the oh yeah yeah we we believe in the God of Moses, but I'm still going to make some sacrifices to the goddess of sheep mm. and the goddess of grapes and to make sure my harvests are good and my flock 
is strong. So hmm. yeah, it was important to emphasize uh, in the in the hymns of Israel that it's the one true God and every piece of your life is blessed and over and watched over by God, by that same God. You don't need any others. Yeah. I, I initially I was reading this and um, kind of struck by how much we jump around on imagery uh, that the author uses. But the more I think about it, the more I, I think this is just it, it like the author is taking the approach of like, I want to cover north, south, east, west, west, uh, you know, height, length and width. Uh, so but like all the different comparisons and imagery that's used, uh, God's righteousness is like mighty mountains. Uh, his judgments are like uh, the great deep. I'm assuming the ocean. Yeah. Uh, uh, his love uh, uh, spreads out and people take refuge under the shadow of God's wings, uh, which is either uh, I, I would imagine it in this, but in the writing of Psalm would be more uh, animal wings as opposed to like uh, angel wings. I don't, I don't know if we, I don't know how often angels are are, are necessarily right. Uh, uh, the imagery. Um, well, the the wings are God. Wings are God. Yeah. yeah it, it, nothing in between. Gotcha. Uh, uh, the 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 feast it, the, like they feast in his house. So now we have house imagery. Uh, uh, they drink from the river of your delights, which sounds like. You know, I don't know something out of a Candyland board game, uh, and uh, uh, the the Fountain of Life is in there as well. So it's kind of like it's like you know topography and animal imagery, and then a house, and then a, well. <laughs> and a river, and like all this like uh, uh, all this different imagery, as opposed to the Isaiah reading where yeah. the, Isaiah's poem does use multiple imagery. But really, like succinctly, you know, kind of two a deeper focus. Yeah, yeah, and and this psalm reading is a little bit more like uh, it's, you know, how about this and this and something totally different and, and, <laughs> and now and, and now for something new and like uh, any any information on like uh, like making that make a little bit more sense like why we jump around or well I don't know if it will make more sense or not but remember these are communal hymns. Okay. Their songs. Mm -hmm. And so the complexity of imagery was artistically attractive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it may have been to, to draw in more people to like this song. Um, it may have been to make a point that it's not just same old, same old. Right. But to, by using this di different imagery, perhaps help the congregation wake up a bit mm. and go, Oh, that, 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 <laughs> wow. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, is there any historical information that we have about Psalm 36? I mean, a little bit, a little. Okay. It looks like it was probably th Psalm 36 was probably three different Psalms or oh. th three different compositions. Okay. You know, before entering the hymnal, Book of Psalms. Um, and so this, this portion was probably a freestanding 
song of praise. Mm. And the other two sections um, were then combined with this one to, to give a very complex song that has a reflection on evil mm. um, in the first part. And uh, then this praise and then this sort of... Um, okay, now that I've sung these praises, now I have a little more sense of how to live with evil. Okay, okay. So it's a really complex piece. Um, That's interesting. So you start you start with like, uh, you start out in, you know, uh, the, the depression of, of some, the evil being in your life, uh, uh, that the, you shine this light of, of uh, love from God and you feel uplifted and now you feel better about how to go about your day kind of uh, um, deeper than that. I mean the, the first verse that we don't have, people say that to me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the first, it's, it's less surface thought than that, Ben. It's a, uh, it's all right. <laughs> Transgression, the personification of evil. Mm -hmm. Transgression, Speaks to the wicked deep in their hearts. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Mm. And goes on to talk about evil people um, who succeed. Mm -hmm. And then the response to that is these words of praise. And then it ends with, um, well, <laughs> okay, don't let the evildoers overwhelm me, God. It doesn't say uh, they no longer exist. Right, it's right. It's just, okay, God, yeah, I'm going to stick with you, and I'm going to need your help to survive the evildoers who are around me. Yeah. Don't uh, – the, the verse um, I, to, that summarizes that is, do not let the foot of the arrogant tread on me or the hand of the wicked drive me away. I like psalms <laughs> i like this imagery uh this this, this poetry and uh yeah. maybe it's a sign of uh, uh of me getting older uh <laughs> but it is really pretty it, it's um, something else yeah it's wonderful it, anything else about this middle uh uh portion of this uh uh compilation song frequently quoted yeah yeah um so if it sounds familiar you know you, you may have seen it literally on a poster on a wall um, or it may have been something that helped you get through a difficult time that you didn't even realize it was from the Bible. Hmm. Well, uh, let's move on to our gospel reading uh, for the day. John chapter two, verse one through 11. <clears throat> on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. So he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water, 
that had become wine and did not know where it came from though the servants had drawn the water he knew the, the though the servants who had drawn the water knew the steward called the bridegroom and said to him everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk but you have kept the good wine until now Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Um, first off, I notice that the gospel writer John here doesn't give Jesus' mother's name for some right. odd reason. Is there, do we know why? No. Does, <laughs> does John mention Mary by name at all in his text, or... You know, I'm not sure. I can't say for sure that he does. Okay. Um, it's possible he doesn't. Hmm. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um. Uh. I imagine there's more. No, they, he does. He, he does. does? Okay. Because yeah. at at one point, John lists the Marys that are that are with Jesus, and one of them is his mother, Mary, his mother, and at the cross, Mary. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I imagine there's more to this story, specifically with the interaction between mother and son. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my guess is he gets a scolding. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, actually he doesn't. It He gets guilted is the... <laughs> okay. Well, those two are pretty... Sometimes they're pretty close. <laughs> it, it, well... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, if I were to say to to my mother, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? Uh, maybe a backhand might even be in my future. Uh, but, well, <laughs> but it is point. It is interesting to point out that he he's like this. This is the equivalent of like, mom, I'm not ready yet. Exactly. Oh. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> my and, hour has not yet come. I don't want it yet. And she and she doesn't reply to it. Well, she not, says nothing. She just turns to the servants and says, "Do whatever he tells you." Yeah, and, and disappears from the story. It, it seems like uh, there's mother's intuition in there somewhere of like, he's got like, you know, he, like I gave him the look. Yeah, and he knows. And then I just turn to the servants and be like, "When he's ready." Yeah. <laughs> but she, she's much more subtle than that. Yeah, yeah. Where well, as far as we know, do whatever he tells you. Right. As far as we know, she was more subtle. <laughs> That's true. You, there could be a lot more here yeah. than was written. But I love it without. Right. It's just the do whatever he tells you. And then maybe one more glance back at Jesus and she leaves. Yeah. Um, so he saves face with the servants of like, mm -hmm. you know, they're not going, your mom told you to. <laughs> <laughs> since they have no idea what's going to happen. Right, this right. is not a possibility. Yeah, she, she doesn't go into a rant and be like, now you tell this servant Zebediah and you get him to him. Yeah. You know. But you know what's also... And make sure it's a good vintage. That's right, that's right. Uh, the, the other thing, though, that stands out to me that's a little bit hidden is why, why this interaction? Mm -hmm. uh, because, like... Why would Mary like they go to a wedding? Like, there's no indication necessarily like how they know the bride and groom or the parents of either the bride or the groom or both the bride. You know, yeah. Th there, there's no indication like whose wedding this is and how 
Jesus and his mother uh, uh, are maybe even related or to, you know, the, 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 the wedding party or, or what, but uh, Mary goes to her son and tells him of all people, Hey, they ha- they're out of wine. <laughs> Meaning like, so like one has to wonder, like, does she know that her son can turn water into wine? Has he done this before <laughs> in secret in private? And like, Hey, uh, you know, that thing that you can do. You want to... Now's the time to do it? Yeah, now's the... Beyond our table. But also, possibly, you know, the, the uh, another thing that I don't think that we explore is the relationship between mo- mother and son uh, is, uh, for many, deeply personal, right? And, right. And, and, um, and uh, generally speaking, uh, uh, on average, like, sons are generally close to their to their mothers like the that relationship is oftentimes very strong what did mary know about her messiah son and when, what his you know when did she know what his path forward was gonna look like how in on the plan was she because this kind of the story you can kind of imagine that she knew you can kind of re- read between the lines and go like, I think now's the time to start your ministry is kind of how you can read some of these words of like, they're yeah. all here and this you're is, ready. <laughs> this story is one of the reasons why a lot of scholars think that John did have access to some nativity story that included Mary's experience of the divine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I put it very generally there, but to put it more concretely, either Luke's story of how Jesus was born or Mary or um, Matthew's story of how Jesus was born, um, because definitely Mary has a sense here of Jesus not just being a fella, yeah, but being part of God, right? Um, yeah, so it's. It's, again, I think part of that dynamic with the Gospel of John, last one written, he doesn't, he's trying to use space wisely. Mm -hmm. And so isn't going to put in how Jesus was born because people are hearing about that already. But here's the consequence of those stories of Mary being able to help encourage him to get started. Yeah. 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 As a, as a reader, you have, you know, that is hidden to us. The, yeah. the, the full relationship between uh, mother and son is, is kind of hidden to us. Um, we find out more about his relationships to his disciples than, than, than we uh, do to his, his mother and father, really. And especially father especially he, father yeah he kind of he kind of disappears yeah uh and um uh but i i knowing how uh um knowing knowing more at least about how my human relationship works with with my mother <laughs> like yeah like i i have a sense that you know mary knows Mary, right. I in, have a in sense. In this story, she definitely knows. Right. But I have a, I have a sense that Mary knows the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, uh, well, and part of it, one of the ways that you're right is Jesus replies to her, my hour is not yet come. And that means that they can use code language with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she's, she's, in, she's got the cipher. Yeah. <laughs> she's in on it though. And, but yeah. not, and it's like, you know, Jesus, we've been talking about this for 30 years. Right. Yeah. It has come. Right. Um, Though we've come, it, we've come a long way from that, you know, that, that, you know, that documented moment in the temple. Uh, yeah. You're, you're ready. You're ready for this. Yeah. And, and yes, particularly in John and yes, that means you're going to die soon because that's part of in John, that's part of the hour mm -hmm. um, that Jesus refers to is his uh, death on the cross. Right. And, 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 uh, um, this is going way beyond um, what's actually written, but yeah. uh, my mind can imagine in this moment, in that in that phrase, "My hour has not yet come," of maybe even some trepidation yeah. by Jesus. Like, I'm not. I don't want to. I'm not yeah. ready to. I die don't want to start that clock. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Do we? Do we have to? Do right. I, like, I, really? Maybe next year? Yeah, maybe next year. <laughs> I still have that coffee table I need to finish. Right, right, right. I was going to do that summer abroad. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but like, uh, um, which to me it would it would be very fascinating uh, um, um, archived stories if we had more of them. Right. The the, the humanization uh, of Jesus, the human side of him, the part that that we can relate to. Um, it would like the concept of more of that fascinates me. Um, but yeah, there's so much hidden kind of hidden here yeah. in the language of the top of the story. Uh, we all know the part of, you know, that happens thereafter, you know, Oh, the miracle, like let's focus on the miracle. But like, to me, the meat and bones of this story is on verses one through five. Like I that's for me. I have to admit, I, I don't know if I've read this somewhere or not. So it, probably I have, but maybe this is just coming to me now. I you know, My hour has not yet come. In many ways, this could be the Garden of Gethsemane story in the Gospel of John. Mm -hmm. Where Garden of Gethsemane story where Jesus prays um, just before he's arrested, may this cup pass, um, right. but your will be done, praying to God. And in some ways, that's what he's saying here. He yeah. Says, My hour is not yet coming. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she's not going to counter Jesus's free will by saying, uh, yeah, it has. Instead, it's just, I'm walking away. Here are people that can help you if you decide to do anything. Yeah. And one could also uh, maybe even retranslate her words of do whatever he tells you to let his will be done. That, oh, very good. Huh? Yeah. Um, I'm also uh, uh, noticing, though, that, I mean, we're only in chapter two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like verse 11, and his disciples believed in him. So he already had disciples at this point. Yeah. Is, is this, the implication. He had already called Nathaniel. And is that is that Philip what we start and, with in verse in, in chapter one is is the calling of the disciples or? Chapter one starts with a great prologue, the, the heavy duty theology. Uh-huh very quickly just refers to Jesus being baptized 
and then he starts to call disciples. Gotcha. So he does have um, some of them with him at this event. And this is the first miracle they see. Right, right. Um, so it's fitting that uh, um, this is the second epiphany, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, week of epiphany. So this is the second uh, realization, as it were, in the Revelation, story. Revelation, revealing, yeah. Yeah. All those um, which there, there, it's also interesting to realize there's a period of time where this gospel writing didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So what would the, during that period of time, what would the first miracle have been? Like what was the first sign? What would have been the second epiphany had John never been written? Oh, um, I, I don't know for sure, but I'll, Simply guess a healing miracle. Right, one of the yeah. yeah. I th- that I think that's how the synoptic gospels right. start. Um, and and one of the interesting things in John is that he kind of poo-poo's healing miracles. Yeah, he doesn't really go into them. Yeah, he, that much. He almost uses them reluctantly. Yeah. Uh, I and it's it. I almost picture John and John's community saying, yeah, Jesus healed all these people. And then they crucified him months later. Right. <laughs> so, nope. Right. We don't think those did much. We'll, whereas, we'll emphasize these other miracles. Yeah. Whereas an author like Luke, uh, being a physician, would have been very fascinated by it. Like, that, no, no, I've, I, I've spent my life treating people with this condition and there's no cure. And yet this man comes in and. That's one of the traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, which is interesting. So, so, so what about this miracle other than the fact that it's first, is there anything that also makes it stand out, uh, from, from everything, from anything else? I mean, all the, all the different healing miracles and the, and the multiplication of fishes and Mm -hmm. loaves and, and, you know, what, what's the, you know, what stands out about this one from others? Two things come to mind for me. One is it only occurs in the Gospel of John. There's nothing yep. close to it in the other three Gospels. But it, the more importantly, the waters, the the six stone water jars are for the Jewish rites of purification. Mm-hmm. So Jesus transforms not just tap water, so to speak, but water that has specifically been put aside for spiritual renewal Mm. and so some say this is a eucharist yeah no i can see that yeah Yeah. and this is this is a transubstantiation uh, yes uh uh eucharist so unlike the i i suppose unlike the other miracles uh which are uh miracles of the healing miracles are primarily make uh, making whole Mm -hmm. like a, a restorative yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, miracle. The the uh, let me let me think of all the other ones. So there's 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 all the healing miracles would be that would be restorative. The the multiplication of food is is that multiplication. It's not taking something and making something new out. Uh, right. Like physically changing it. Uh, this is more. This is closer to. Res- the resurrection miracle mm-hmm. of taking something completely different and making it into something yeah else where, okay they're both fluids right but 
pretty different. <laughs> yeah, very yeah, very different. This is not yeah. one was not the the well, actually maybe it's not it kind of stands as an unknown on its own. It doesn't really Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, I, I don't think you're wrong in linking it to the resurrection because that's what the Gospel of John keeps pointing towards. Right. So it would make perfect sense that the first miracle John records is a foreshadowing of the ultimate miracle, which is Jesus' resurrection. Hmm. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I like your I like what you say, that I was right in the first place. You were right in the first place, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, this is it, it. It is different. It does. It does strike the reader as this is a this is a different uh, uh, story. This is a different approach. The 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 way that the the characters interact, at least at the beginning of it, mm -hmm. is is unique. Well, even even the rest of it, where it's not a crowd witnessing this miracle. Really, the only one who might be the only ones who might be aware of it are the servants who transported yeah. <clears throat> the new wine back right. into the banquet room. Because these these uh, jugs would not have been in the spaces of the, bank, of the banquet. They would have right. and been then, sort of a utility area. So so it is it is uh, a, a, the first example, at least in the Gospel of John, but if you lay them all out you know, mm -hmm. timeline-wise, would have been the first example of the ministry of Jesus calling the lesser. Or, yes. or, or in, yes. involving, you know, the them the, being the, the ones who really see what's happening, right? And 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 the 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 ones who you would least expect to be in right. on the story. Yeah. Um. They, this this should have been the great reveal before they cut the cake. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, um. And the steward, not even realizing what had happened, right? Praises, hey, great wine. But right. does not have the spiritual insight to say, wait a minute, how do we suddenly have whatever it is, sixty gallons or whatever of right. this? <laughs> Twenty or thirty gallons each times yeah. six. So at least 120, 120 gallons. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 120 as much as 180. Yeah. I mean that the Which, evidence was there, but he didn't. That's see. a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how new yeah. it is or how unpotent it may be. That's a lot of wine. <laughs> yes, and the well, the Baptists have a lot of trouble with this one. <laughs> I understand. I mean, I, I have a hard I, even like let's assume a uh, a wedding uh, uh, that occurs drinks 180 gallons of water. <laughs> How many people do you need? Like I can't. Like I would burst at one gallon yeah. of water. So I mean, how many people are there? Uh, which which kind of gives you th this is lavish this is a yes. this is abundance not only in like the quality but like the quantity this yeah, is more than they could possibly need it right and that's god's grace yeah uh-huh um and just to be clear the purification was a washing it wasn't consuming the water right. when it was just, just right. water so this was enough to bathe dozens and dozens and dozens of people because and um, now it's enough to purify spiritually multiples of right. that. Right. And that's how, that's what Jesus is, Jesus is coming into the world means. It does make sense that the water for purification would make better wine though. I it's mean, kind of, I mean, yeah. 
Where'd you get this great wine? Starts with a great product. <laughs> Beautiful locally sourced products for your for for your Jesus wine. Um, uh, what what else about the this this uh, this passage um, this reading? There's there's a pause here that's implied. Okay. That when the wine gave out. And so that's where a reader or listener to this story can say, yeah, I've had dry times spiritually. Mm. Um, and then Jesus will act. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to think about the symbolism of there's now this pause where there, there's no wine being served. Right. That would be when the party's over. Yeah, leave. in a lot of places, yeah. That would be when the people leave. And yet now the very best wine imaginable has started to be served after this pause. Right. So it, it's in some ways uh, symbolic of being patient in our dry spiritual times. Yeah, it, kinda, it, it can feed into a, a, a number of the other stories that are detailed in the gospel writings. The the the. Uh, the the keeping your lamps trimmed and burning yeah. like people you know hey oh no we left I thought it was over you yeah. know <laughs> you you mean you weren't at that wedding and you left that wedding oh, wedding man, in Cana you it. like the there was a fantastic when, when did you leave I don't know I'm when picturing the first all the the tail lights that the TV show <laughs> the TV station showed in the famous uh, Gibson home run. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. World Series game where all the Dodger fans, not all, but, but a, a hundreds bunch. of yeah. Dodger fans were leaving the early yep. to beat the traffic and miss that historic home run. Yeah, exactly. By Gibson. Yeah. You missed out, man. They uncorked some Stag's Leap and we, you know, it was great. And we, we really, we really had a party there. That was, that was just the beginning. Uh, well, when, yeah. So don't leave the party of Jesus. That's right. Hang in there. That's right. Uh, with that, I think we will call to a close, uh, your podcast for January 16th, 2022, the second Sunday after the epiphany in year C. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, encourage you to, um, uh, worship with us this coming weekend. Uh, however it works for you, uh, either in person at eight and 10 or online at, uh, at the 10 o'clock live ser service will be broadcast live on our YouTube channel at HFEC, uh, videos. And uh, we'll be available for reviewing thereafter. Uh, and until next week, until that time, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.